You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everybody, listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And today we have a guest who I'm so excited about. Um, there's so much I could say about him. He has been in ministry for over four decades. I think you're actually our oldest guest. That's <laughs> <laughs> not saying a lot, but yeah, I think he's actually our oldest guest. Wisest, maybe, even. We'll see. We'll see about that. Um, and he is an author. He's a senior pastor. Yeah. What else can I say about him? I would say he is quite an interesting figure in in the nation in the nation of Zimbabwe and I guess in the church in the church world in in general uh, he's he's done a lot and he's a father to many a yeah. pastor to many uh, loved by many maybe also disliked by some <laughs> but we have in the house today Pastor Tom Duchal wow yeah, Hi, Pastor Tom, lovely to have you on the oh, show, great sir. Great to be with you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, so you may be wondering why why we have Pastor Tom, but you know, for, for us, it's such a great honor because I, I believe that um, the way we started Radiant Culture, there, there were certain people that that inspired us, some directly, some indirectly, you know, and we we all sort of emerged out of this church um, in one way or, or, or the other. We're all part of youth and. And stuff, and so so Celebration Church has been very instrumental in in shaping who we've become as people. And in some ways, I would say, you know, there's the seeds. There's some celebration seeds in in this podcast. So, but today we want to want to talk about the man, the man himself. You know, who he is, what he's about. So, Pastor Tom, my my first question to you would be: during your time when when you were young, right? I, I always wonder because. My 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 mom will often say, "Ah, you guys' generation is so messed up. You guys, you guys just need to jack up." Because during our time, you know, people had morals and people had this. Then I'm I'm often wondering, was it really that good <laughs> back then when you were young? Were, were were people just generally more morally upright? And um, what what are the, the the distinctions between then and now, just in terms of you know the the young people? I don't think there's any difference between generations. Uh, every generation has its own challenges. I don't yeah. think that the challenges of our generation were any greater or any more uh, or less, I should say, than the generation that we face today. I think that the challenges are different. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but I believe that you must understand the basic tenet of all humankind is that we're all in sin. Yeah. You know, we are birthed in sin, so our propensity, our proclivity right. is towards sinfulness. So whether you're in my generation or your generation or the next generation to come, right. uh, all people tend towards a sinful uh, inclination. So uh, it's the problem not is with morals. Uh, you can have moral people, supposedly, that are still going to be sinful. Uh, it's got to do with does is there a space where God can intervene in a person's life? Uh, I was uh, a good religious person. Uh, I would have called myself a moral person, although I right. did a lot of immoral things. But uh, had I had you talked to me before I accepted Christ, I would have told you that I was a good person, and I would have probably said, "Yeah, we have good moral basis for our culture." Uh, until I met Christ. And then I realized that I was, woe is me. I am undone. I am a sinner. And without Christ, I have no place in eternity, nor do I have any, uh, a place on earth of righteousness. So I think that that has to be the focal point. Uh, either the scripture is true that tells us who we are and we accept that, or then we figure something else out. And if we're going right. to figure something else out, then, you know, uh, it can be anything. But uh, no, I wouldn't agree with your mother. I don't think that our, uh, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying, I don't think that our, uh, I don't think any man is moral. I think that maybe society overall held more value than it does today. I think yeah. that right. we've slipped in our value systems. Uh, I don't think that we have absolute values anymore. Mm -hmm. So I would say that in that case, we may have been a more moral nation. 
But individuals are have never been moral. We we are immoral in our very nature. Mm. And so, what do you think the church is supposed to do in that sort of situation, where you can definitely see that the whole society is kind of degrading in a way, and it's everyone looks to us like you're the ones who we look up to for what are morals. Do you would you agree with that, or is that something that the church I, I don't is not the, quite responsible? I don't responsible think the church for? is responsible for setting the moral. Uh, necessarily the moral tone mm. for the society. I think that we're to speak to the moral tone of the society. But there's more at play than just the church. The church mm. should be a voice of salt and light. Salt and light only affects darkness and affects the putrefying of a society. But until there are uh, people that will uh, choose the rule of law mm. and choose to walk in uh, you know, the very laws that they've passed. You know, in our country, we don't obey the law. We don't obey any of the laws. And there's no enforcement of it. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, uh, we disobey with impunity. Yeah. Our politicians say one thing and do another. Our uh, The police department is non-existent. We have a whole generation that's never been policed. We have uh, corruption as a uh, basis for business. And and so uh, we like it that way. So the church can speak the truth. We can speak what the Bible says. Yeah. Right. But uh, until we decide to do what the Bible says, that's not going to help. I mean, uh, I don't see any real, uh, I don't see any religion that is going to be able to change this. Yeah. It's going to have to come through probably some very, very terrible hardship that eventually people say, you know, we can't do this anymore. And uh, th then it'll be an awakening. Mm. Mm. But at the moment, I, I think the church is a voice. I think that we, we, we do teach the truth. We, But even in the church, we have uh, people that uh, pay lip service to God and don't necessarily obey the truth. Mm. And so I think we have to be very honest and say, okay, if the church was uh, what we said we were, if Zimbabwe was who we said we were, I mean, I hear preachers tell me all the time, we're 85% Christian. I'm saying, well, then that's an indictment against Christianity. Mm. Because so we, if we're 85% Christian and, and, and our mm. country's in the Should shambles, totally it's different. In, yeah. yeah, then we're in trouble. Mm. So, yeah, I think we have to be very careful how we define those things. A lot of people want to lay it at the feet of the church. I'm saying, well, you know, I think the church has a part to play in that. We must take our piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. Mm. Uh, we have systemic uh, problems that are, you know... Uh, we have we have poverty on, on different levels. We have a a moral poverty that has crept in, and and so we've adopted a, a wokeism mm. uh, in our in our schools. We've adopted it in our psyche. Yeah. Uh, we have a Western thought that has corrupted itself and has swept through the world. We have organizations uh, that are uh, you know anti. Democracy. They're they're pro, uh, and and I'm not I'm for, I'm not actually for democracy, but but they're they're pro uh, totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, things like the World Health Organization, things like the United Nations, who want one world governments that are driving us into, you know, lockstep. And I'm saying these these things are very dangerous. So we have a the poverties I think we need to look at are of course financial poverty, but then there's. Uh, uh, relational poverty. I, I don't. I find that especially your generation, mm. yeah, don't really have very good relationships. They don't know how to really relate to Cultivate. each other. Mm. Yeah, and so when you start breaking down relationships, it's very very hard because we don't have real honest conversations. We don't have these conversations where we can tell the truth to each other. Mm. That's dangerous. Then there's, uh, of course, spiritual poverty. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then motivational poverty. And and once a generation and, and again your generation is losing motivation. Yeah. Uh, they feel hopeless. They feel helpless sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, well look, our parents did okay, but where's our space? Yeah. You know, I look at Zimbabwe and you know, maybe I'm talking out of turn here, but I, I see Zimbabwe and you have a crisis on our hands. If in fact South Africa sends all the immigrants back here, which they're threatening to do, yeah. and two million people land on our doorstep. Now what is your generation going to do? Because mm. there's not enough jobs for you already. There's not enough already mm. for you. Yeah. And if these people come back, now what do we have? Now we have a real crisis on our hands. Yeah. Mm. And it'll be hard to get motivated to do anything. What do we do? Mm. So I think those are some of the things that we need to look at. 
So if, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, no. but that's kind of where my head goes when yeah. I when I think about some of the things you're you're addressing. Yeah, and I, and I like that. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for that. Because well, one of the things about our, our podcast is that we 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 do want people to speak out of turn sometimes, or to not be PC. You know, because we want to have the real conversations and we want to be able to talk about these issues because they, that, that's really what's affecting us on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I love a lot of what you said, especially about the motivational poverty part. I've, ne- I've never really thought about it like that as, as an actual poverty item. I just want us to, to, to zone in on, on you just for, for a second, just to talk a bit about your, your journey. Um, you, you started the ministry or you, you went into ministry when you're still in your 20s. And uh, you you came from America as, as as a missionary. Maybe let's just talk a bit about that because I think it kind of links, uh, it kind of ties into the motivational poverty part. Where I'm thinking, how many how many young people today in their twenties are thinking about you know relocating to a totally different part of the world, um, following God's call to to establish something uh, without really knowing how how things are going to go. So I just want to know what what would you say. Um, was the motivating factor for you to do that? Well, uh, you know, I had an unusual uh, encounter with Christ when I was 18 years old. My dad asked asked me to go to a Bible study at a Catholic charismatic uh, Bible study. And there was a Protestant guy there that was the first time I'd ever really heard the the gospel preached clearly. Mm. I was shocked, first of all, that there was a Protestant because Catholics and Protestants don't mix. Mm. Uh, we didn't mix for sure back then. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little more now. I don't know. But uh, I, I was shocked, and I was a good Catholic. I'd been trained under the Jesuits, and I knew that this was almost heresy. And I thought this is wrong. <laughs> and uh, not that I was serving God. I was serving the devil. I was enjoying serving the devil. <laughs> And I, and I and I wasn't looking for God. I, I thought I had God. I was a you know yeah. I was a good I was a good I was a good Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I heard the gospel, I gave my life to Christ. And at the same time, I heard a voice. And I, today I don't know. I would have said then it was an audible voice, but now that I know God better, I would say it's probably the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking in my spirit. Mm-hmm. That said, "You'll serve me in Rhodesia." Wow. Well, <laughs> I thought that was on the East Coast somewhere, so I was fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being in America, we don't have very, we're geographically challenged, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, long story short, that stuck inside me. Uh, I, I didn't know, I had no idea what a missionary was. I had no idea what, because Catholics, I mean, you know, we, 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 I don't think we even think about missions, to be honest with you, in that sense. Right. I, I had, at five years old, I did say to the Lord, I would become a Catholic priest if he wanted me to. Mm-hmm. So I had a relationship with God, in a sense. Yeah. But I don't know that I knew Christ. And when I came to know Christ, that stuck with me. Long story short, I ended up uh, going to university, and then I went to seminary. and But immediately I began ministry. In my first year, I started not only uh, going to a Bible study, but within a year I was leading the Bible study. And so I was just one step ahead of everybody else. I would yeah. read a book by Derek Prince, study it, and then the next week I'd go and teach it. And I'd think, oh, my gosh. And I would pray and, and, and teach. And I was a terrible teacher. I was a, I was a terrible leader. Uh, I had, and I was very that was, shy, that, that very so hard. insecure. That's so hard to believe. just about to ask you that. Like, was that part of your personality to just take leadership? Or this was something that was no, new to these you? Guys, these guys, uh, we, I was with a bunch of hippies. And uh, after one year, they said, we're leaving, oh. and you're going to be the new leader. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, okay. you guys don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and so I started leading, and then we had a revival. I mean, the Holy Spirit showed up. 250 young people from our high school, the mm. high school I'd gone to, mm-hmm. gave their lives to the Lord. And wow. uh, But on the weekends, I would go down to uh, a place called the Holy Ghost Repair Service on the streets of Denver, Colorado. It was mm-hmm. a street ministry. I and I would do street preaching. I'd work with prostitutes. I'd work with drug addicts. I would work with the destitute. And uh, I kept my teeth uh, doing ministry amongst the, the poorest of the poor and uh, had some incredible encounters. But uh, every weekend on a Friday night and a Saturday night, sometimes a Sunday night, mm-hmm. I would find myself on the streets of Denver, Colorado and uh, doing ministry. And then on Thursday nights, we'd have this Bible study. Mm-hmm. And then I would travel to the university. I'd come back. And then we sent 30 young people out of our Bible study uh, to a Bible school called Christ for the Nations. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we had a hunger for God. Now, you have to understand, that was part of the Jesus movement. There was a move of the Holy Spirit. God was moving. And so we were passionate. And, and so we, But we immersed ourselves in reading of the Bible, in prayer. We would get together just for prayer meetings. And we would get together just to read the Bible. And there was a hunger. We had mm-hmm. a hunger. Uh, then eventually I went to Bible school. And while I was there, uh, many prophetic words were given over my life. And I would... In fact, I was miserable because people would stop and say to me, uh, you're supposed to go to Africa. And I'm saying, well, that's great. <laughs> Wait, as in just randomly people? Yeah, yeah, wow. I, I, I had literally every prophet that would come into the school to teach mm. would pick me out sometime and say, oh, you're, this man's going to Africa. And then it got to be known abroad that this guy's going to Africa. But I didn't know how to be a missionary. So I, 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 didn't, I just didn't know. I, I thought, yeah. well, I, you, know, anyway, you don't know what you don't yeah, know. Yeah. But yeah. I was hungry to obey God. So when I graduated from Bible college, I went to, uh, on a trip, I took a trip around the world, 23 countries, uh, Far East, Middle East, and Europe, and you avoiding Africa. I went on the trip specifically to see if what everybody had said at Bible school was really happening. They said that the Holy Spirit was moving, that there was an outbreak, and there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Philippines, I saw things that just and in and, and, and Indonesia and in Guam and and in some of the uh, Singapore, I saw things that just uh, and Malaysia, I saw things that just shook me. Mm-hmm. I saw God moving, and yeah. and and it was it was powerful. Uh, and so I came back, and I didn't know what to do. So I ended up going back to my home, and and I had, had a little girlfriend, and uh, I bought a house, and I worked with my dad. We started our family business, and um. I, for two years, I was just, I was working hard, but I was supporting missionaries. I was still yeah. doing ministry, but I was, I was miserable. Yeah. You know? And I didn't know how to obey God. I didn't know how to go to the mission field. Mm. And uh, just for a long story short, on the 28th of December, 1978, uh, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who was in Rhodesia. He said, listen, we've been praying. We feel like you're supposed to come. Uh-huh. I said, okay. So I sold my house. I sold my car. Or I actually gave my car to my brother, gave my furniture to another brother, sold up everything I had. I had a, I had two businesses then. I gave my shares of my company, my dad's company, over uh-huh. to my family. And I gave my mom my business. It was a interior decorating business, and she Whoa. took over that. Then I uh, packed up everything. Had when I ended up selling everything off, I had seven hundred dollars in my pocket, a return airfare, a guitar, a backpack, and a suitcase, and uh, headed to Africa. And I arrived here, and was met by a guy, and uh, he took me immediately to a, a motorcycle rally. I was so jet lagged, and I leaned against the back wall of the Catholic cathedral, put my wrist against the the wall, the granite wall. It was hot. I remember how cool it felt on that granite wall. And I thought, I'll just cool off here. And I kind of fell asleep, and I had a vision. And that's where God showed me what I would do, what my ministry would be. He that is me, He showed me these shafts of light that would affect not only Africa, but the whole world out of Zimbabwe. And I thought, well, it was pretty significant. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what keeps me here till this day, 44 years later. I was 24 then. The next day, I turned 25. Wow. That, that is crazy. 24. I can imagine. So, Pastor Tom, as, as you're speaking, I'm just thinking, wow, you know, you're 24, you've, you've already done all these things, and you're so focused uh, just on, on the things that, that God has, has called you to do. My, my question is, do you, do you think that that, that was, be- and I've got, to, I've got to phrase this correctly, do you think that this was because you you were special somewhat as in that you were just like this really special person that that God selected to to do this um or do you think it's because you just obeyed God and the fo- the follow up question to that is that there, there are many young people who will say things like, well, you know, I, I don't have a story that's as spectacular as Pastor Tom's story. You know, I, I didn't ever have anybody speak a prophetic word over me or, or I didn't go to a revival. And so maybe there's really no need for me to pursue this. So I just want to know that, you know, what, what would you say to somebody to somebody like that, you know, who's wanting maybe they, they just feel like 
there's really nothing spectacular about me as a person. So maybe I, you know. Well, I think that, I, I think we have two things going there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One is if you have to be spectacular as a person, well, then God definitely got the wrong guy in me. <laughs> there, there's definitely nothing spectacular about me. Right. Uh, so uh, I don't think God looks at the outward like you and I do. I think God does look at the heart. I do think that God deals with your heart. And I think every man has a chance to get as close to God as he wants to. Hmm. I was hungry for God. I was seeking. When I got born again, I sought God, and I sought him diligently. Hmm. I prayed. I served. And whatever I did, I just did with all my heart. Right. But uh, it was in the midst of all that that this deepening conviction came that I was supposed to serve him. I don't think that all men are called to fivefold ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, God calls apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The Bible says no man takes this honor upon himself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wasn't, in fact, I, probably I didn't even know what those things were when I first started. Uh, so I wasn't trying to be anything. I I, I never even see, I, I, even today, I don't see myself as anything other than a servant that is here to serve the body of Christ. I don't see myself as a, a big deal. You know, people like to always try to put a label on me. Uh, you're an apostle. You're a bishop. You're, a, I, 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 and I don't think so. I think I'm a, an unprofitable servant. At the end of the day, after I've served others, I just turn to the master and say, now, what would you have me do to serve you? Yeah. And I think that's a better attitude than trying to be something. Yeah, I like uh, that. You know, today, you know, it seems like we have kids that are out there and they become a prophet and learn how to shave on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think, you know, I don't think you can call yourself a prophet. I think, you know, you have to let God define you. Hmm. And in fact, if I could do a theological study with you there, the book of Ephesians, when it talks about the fivefold ministry, the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, in the King James it says he gave some to be. But if you'll notice, the word be mm-hmm. is, uh, or to be is in italics. So he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. I don't believe that you determine who you are. Because, like for you today, you all define me differently in your lives. You all grew up in the church. but. Yeah. You're in different churches now, or you're serving in, in, in ministry in a different fashion. But to one of you, I may be apostolic. Mm-hmm. To another, I may be prophetic. Yeah, that's true. To another, I may be pastor. Yeah. To some, I might just be Tom. Okay, well, guess what? Whatever you receive, the Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. Mm-hmm. If you receive a, 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 a Tom in the name of Tom, you get Tom's reward. I don't think Tom can do much for you. <laughs> but the gift that God made me to be could mm-hmm. possibly help you uh, if you can receive the gift. But the gift and the excellency is not of me. It's the gift that God made me to be. He said he gave gifts unto men. He equipped me. So the glory can't come to me. It can't be, ooh, my ministry, I'm a big deal. No, it's the ministry of Christ through me. Yeah. And I'm very humbled the fact that Jesus could use me. Uh, do, 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 I, do I represent Jesus perfectly? No, I fail many times. I have feet of clay. I have made many mistakes. Do I try to serve him faithfully? Do I try to represent him well? Yes, I do. Uh, And where we build relationship, it's because I think the Bible says the kingdom of God comes without observation. It comes in the hearts of men. God's joining men's hearts and women's hearts together for the greater good of the kingdom. So I think that there's a whole doctrine around that that Mm -hmm. we must understand, and we must allow the Holy Spirit to help us. Um, so, Pastor Tom, obviously, listening to your story, for you to take that leap, well, essentially a leap of faith, a lot of people would really struggle to do what you did. So, in your eyes, what would you say is the definition, like, your definition of faith, how it's worked out in your life? Well, faith is a is an action word. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, many people uh, get... The, they get this mixed up. They think that faith is belief, mm-hmm. you know. And so what we do is you have what's called mental assent. You assent to it mentally. You say, well, yeah, I believe that. I believe mm-hmm. that. Well, you don't really believe it. What you do is you assent to it in your mind. It makes sense to you. But belief has to go beyond uh, what you assent to in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Apostle Paul was teaching the Ephesian church, and he said, 
He says, I, he says, I wish you knew the height, the breadth, the depth, and the length of my, of, of the love of God. Right. He says, it's, he says, and, and he says, I, I, I want you to know something that is unknowable. He says, I want you, I would like you to know what is beyond understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and what he's saying is, so I've always asked the question, how can you know what you don't know? Or how yeah. can you understand or know what is impossible to know? Mm-hmm. Well, well, the fact of the matter is, there's two kinds of knowledge. There's the mental knowledge, mm-hmm. the mentalism, and then there's knowing. Yeah. So uh, it's one thing for me to say I understand something from a textbook. Mm. It's another thing entirely to experience it, get your hands dirty, and actually know something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say there's the weakness in the church. I think that's the weakness in the majority of Christians is that we've been able to tickle our ears, we listen to sermons, and we say, oh, yeah, that sounds right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, we, and, and we can even parrot it back out. Mm. But we've never had any experiential knowledge. We've never actually gone and done what the Bible says. Mm. We, the, In fact, the Bible says it this way. It says, uh, don't be hearers of the word only, but become <coughs> doers, doers of the word, yeah. deceiving yourselves. And I think much of the body of Christ is deceived, to be honest with you, and especially young people. Mm-hmm. Young people would rather look good than be good. They'd rather have a, f- a selfie than get their hands dirty and actually yeah. be doing what they say they're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd like to look like I'm on the mission trip, but are you really on the mission trip, or yeah. are you just mm-hmm. looking like right. you're on the mission trip? Yeah. You know, you got on the bus, but did you do anything when you got there? Mm. I, I think those are things that we have to really tackle. Uh, I always was willing to get my hands dirty. And, uh, you know, when you, when you embrace and tackle really hard things, you don't know what to do. I mean, you just don't know what to do. You, you're out of your depth and that, yeah. that, that space of un- discomfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're that uncomfortable, but you keep pressing through, that's the only way you can really learn. And that's the way you can only experience God. God always put me in very, very painful painful situations and well you had to rely on him because well just, or I, I chose yeah, to yeah right uh, or i could have run away mm-hmm. i could have done like many people and just left uh you know i could have said mm, this is too hard and, mm-hmm. and 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 opted out but mm-hmm. instead I, I i would i would okay uh, the first time i was called to go to a, a white farming area during the war i was told you know you can't go down that road i said why well that road's landmined all the time. I said, well, yeah, but the farmer comes down the road. I, I said, <laughs> yeah. So so, so against the counsel of some of the farmers, I, I, I had a little yellow Datsun, mm-hmm. and I drove down a road. I'll never forget. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a story that marked my ministry. Mm-hmm. I was driving down a road in Kuroi. It was called the Miami Road, and I there's a, there's a turnoff there, and you can go... 11 Ks to get to this guy's farm. He'd been, there had been a firefight all night and I heard it. I got up at six in the morning and got out. It was curfew. And I got to this turnoff and I would have gone left because it's 11 Ks that way. It's 21 Ks to go the other way. Mm-hmm. And so it only made sense to go the short way. And yeah. as I turned left, I heard a voice says, go right. Mm-hmm. I kept left. <laughs> go right. Go right. Yeah. And then I stopped. Go right. So I backed up and I went right. It didn't make sense. To go the longer way, yeah. So I get to the guy's farm. He's sitting on his stoop. The farmhouse has been mortared and attacked all night. His wife and his two kids are there, and they're sobbing and weeping. They've lost everything. And uh, I, I, he sees me. He says, what are you doing here? Mm. I said, well, I said, uh, I, 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 I came to talk to you. I thought this would be a good time to talk about God. <laughs> wow. Anyway, a few minutes later, Boom. This noise is an explosion. And a few minutes after that, uh, his foreman comes and says, oh, the tractor went over the bridge, and it was mined over during the night, and, and the, the tractor blew up. Well, had I gone left, that would have been the tractor. That oh, would have been the bridge. So that's the I, route you were going to take. So that's what I'm saying. That was hard to listen. It was hard to obey. But when you begin to be sensitive to God, do you have these things that I call the fingerprints of God on your life? And now I I can't live a day without having something like that happen. If I don't sense that, then I feel like well then, I'm just doing pretty natural stuff. Yeah, I, I need to know that God's helping me. I mm-hmm. need to know that the Holy Spirit's there. Mm-hmm. So He trained me in a war situation, and I had many of those kinds of experiences. Uh, and uh, I saw God's hand of deliverance. I saw God lead me 
to talk to certain people. And yeah. So I still stay sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. And over the years, has it gotten easier for you, do you think? Like just obeying that voice? Because like you were saying, initially he was saying, right. And you were like, no. I think, I think it's easier in the sense of I've, I've trained myself to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's always a challenge, you know, because your natural mind sometimes rebels against the... We, we can't, the Bible says we have a war going on in our members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our flesh always wants to take the easy way. Yeah. Our flesh always wants to opt out. Yeah. But once you've trained yourself, once you've exercised yourselves to do good, it's mm-hmm. easier. It gets easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then God does more through you. But that does. But then the warfare changes as well. Yes. You're, you're speaking about um, young, just our generation earlier, just concerning the fact that, you know, often we're not we're not as willing to to actually get our hands dirty and 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 get into the moment and do what needs to be done and i'm just thinking about technology and how you know right now technology has just exploded just in terms of you know connectivity our access to all these different things and i'd like to know from you um in in what ways would you say technology has been beneficial and what are some of the dangers that come with it as well yeah, look, I, I think you probably know more than I do. Uh, I think technology and everything we have can be a tremendous opportunity, but it can also be a distraction. And often distractions lead to our destruction. You know, you have to know what's distracting you. Uh, I, I think that all things in moderation, I, I don't think that uh, you can be a healthy person if you're eight hours a day on a social media site and, 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 and doing WhatsApp. I think that that's unhealthy. Uh, you know, you, if you give yourself... The, here's what the scripture says. I have to go back to the basis. Yeah. <clears throat> it says, whom you yield your members to obey, you become the slave of. If you yield your members unto righteousness, you become the slave of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you yield your members unto whatever else you yield to, you become the slave of that thing. Uh, I want to know, is the phone... Your slave? Are you a slave to your phone? Or is your phone a tool in your hand that you can use? Is social media, a, are you a slave to it? Are, 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 you, are you possessed by it? Or do you possess it to use it? Those are the questions I would ask myself. And, and uh, you know, I, I see kids that are enslaved today. I, I don't think that they could disconnect. I think, yeah. that, that, I think that there's an unhealthy relationship. I think there's adults that have that, too. I'm not just saying kids. I think a culture has become and said we our culture was the tv generation mm-hmm. you know so we were enslaved to television we would sit in front of a television six seven eight hours a day i don't watch television i cut television out of my life for the very reason that it was enslaving me i could Even see the news i don't what news <laughs> <laughs> i would never watch the news the news the news is Even propaganda the worst. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting any there's no there's no news on television mm. yeah you know, so I, no, I, I, t- television is all propaganda, all of it. It's there to try to persuade you into a way of Specific thinking. Agendas, so yeah. you know, if you're going to have creative thought, if you're going to be, uh, you, you're not going to get creative on social media. Creation comes from a relationship with God, the Creator, hmm. and the most creative people I know are people that are spending time with God. Uh, the, the 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 copycats the, the the wannabes the TikTokers, they're they're the ones that are you know but they all look the same after a while it's the same it's yeah. a, a little variation on a thing but they're not creative they're not creating anything so what I'm saying is even what you're doing here this is creating content uh, but uh, you, you know what's your goal your goal of course is to honor God your goal is to talk about relevant issues your your goal is to try to bring Christianity into a perspective that we can talk about it openly. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, we have to wrestle these things to the ground, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Pastor Tom. And and I love what you said there about um, is it enslaving you or are you are you using it as a mm-hmm. as a tool? That That's really good. Something I've always wondered about, you know, when, when people look at you and people look at what you've built, people look at the Celebration Center, this this magnificent edifice, and all the different things that the ministry is doing. Um, I think many people look at that and think, you know, this church has lots of money. Pastor Tom is probably, you know, he's, he's, he's a rich guy who just, <laughs> who just pours money into the church or he came from some wealthy family. I know people have all sorts of views about that. But I've, I've often wondered, Pastor Tom, that what 
what is it? Did, did you always know that you were going to build something big? Or is it something that began to happen as you followed God and, and you, you sort of began to see, to see this thing unfold? And I, I ask this because, you know, right now there's a lot of, you know, there, there, are lo- there are lots of books that we read and lots of motivational talks that we attend where people are saying, you've got to have a big vision and you've got to do this, you've got to do this. So I'm just, I'm just thinking that for, for, for you in, in your journey, is this something that you, you kind of always knew, maybe even before you were serving God, that I want to be this big guy who's going to establish something big? Or is it something that, that came as you were walking along in your journey? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I came from a very, very poor family. Uh, we, were, we would have been probably what we would call middle class. But I, it was a, we were eight children. I was the oldest of eight. And, uh, you know, uh, in a middle-class family with eight kids, we, we never knew we were poor, but uh, I look back and I think we were poor. <laughs> we were rich in fellowship, rich in family, but poor mm. in money. And uh, so, you know, and then coming to Africa, you know, I had, I had no ambition. I had uh, the desire to obey God. I had yeah. the desire to, basically, I had a desire to do what he said, seek and save the lost. And so I would work at any level. I, I taught in a, uh, I taught at the Zyoja Bible College. I taught with mm. uh, the, uh, I did right of entry. I was shocked when I got here and you could actually go into schools and teach. Mm. I thought, what a privilege. I could never understand why people wouldn't do that mm. because they'd ban that in America. And I'm thinking, mm. oh, wow, this is a great opportunity to touch. So I touched many young lives. So even back then in America, that, that, oh, yeah, that was on the way out. I mean, okay. the Bible was uh, attacked in America a long time ago. Uh, and 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 so we became a pluralistic society. It's an anti. Mm. It's a postmodern, post-Christian society, and uh, that's creeping into Africa slowly as mm. we take on these uh, woke uh, agendas and these woke ideas. You know that are pluralistic and 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 you know there is many gods and many pathways to God. Mm. So that's all changing. So yeah, when I got here, I was really shocked that you could do that. And then I taught youth groups, and then I began to teach in churches, and, and then I'd go out to the farms, and anywhere people needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't thinking about building a big ministry. In fact, I, I was an evangelist. I thought, I, I'll just be a good old evangelist, and I'll just lead people to Jesus. And I was quite happy. Uh, only after I got married, uh, actually, my wife and I thought we would just go on the teaching, preaching circuit. And quite frankly, I didn't think I was ever going to get back to Zimbabwe be, because of an incident that happened here. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just take her to South Africa. We were well accepted down there. And I was teaching in three or four Bible colleges down there and four or five different churches. And with her singing and her music ministry, I thought, South Africa is a much better market for us. Mm -hmm. And so that was where we were headed until, again, God arrested us. He said, go back to Zimbabwe. And we came back. And then it it was like overnight God shifted on me. and And he turned down the evangelism burner, although I was still an evangelist. But he turned up the pastor burner, and he said, and he said plant a church. So I said, okay. Well, I didn't know how to plant a church. I, I'd never been a pastor. I, I wasn't trained to be a pastor, I can tell you that. And uh, so uh, we, I'll never forget, we uh, put an ad in a newspaper. We had three families. We were meeting in our home, and we had three families. And you know, we decided, well, let's launch the church. We put an ad in the newspaper, and the first Sunday, 45 people arrived. What? So I thought, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, within uh, about a month, a month and a half, 75 people were showing up. And, and pretty soon, 150 people. Now, you have to understand, the biggest church in the city at that time was about 400. And uh, that was a mega church. And I'm thinking, wow, this is <laughs> So we were, we were, and I thought that, well, this is God. This is great. And, and most of those people hadn't been Christians. Most of those people yeah. who were coming to us were unchurched. Okay. So it was really kind of exciting. And I really thought I would be embraced by the rest of the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, that's when I got attacked by the rest of the body of Christ. They became jealous of the fact that our church was growing. And oh, no. I thought they would have rejoiced, but instead they told me that what we were doing is with the devil. And I thought, wow. wow, okay. So it was a hard time. Those are tests you go through. Long story short, uh, the church grew and grew and then eventually we moved into the Harry Margolis Hall and then we had yeah. the largest white church in the city. We had about 1,500 <laughs> white people. 
Uh, and then, uh, but it was, it, it, it wasn't like, the question is, you know, uh, did I think I'd do something big? No, I, 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 I was just doing the next thing God told us to. And yeah. I was probably more shocked than anybody. I, I'm st- in fact, I'm still kind of shocked that anybody would even come and hear me. You know, <laughs> every Sunday I stand in front of a congregation. I think, why would, you know, three or 4,000 people want to come and hear me? Yeah. Think about that. Why would, why would you go to church to hear somebody speak? I, I look at it, I think this this that this is the mystery of the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know. Why would because I think God does something, and and you know if I'm hidden in Him, and if I remain humble, and if I honor Him, something's touching people's hearts. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's me. I don't think it's my cleverness. I think there's a genuineness about God Himself. Yeah. And over the years, do you feel like is there a central? message that you really want to be sort of remembered for or well i think that the only message we can be remembered for is what god told us to preach he said mm-hmm. go everywhere and preach the kingdom of god yeah you know so yeah i want to be preached i want to be a man that when when somebody says this guy talked about and preached the kingdom of god mm-hmm. and uh, the kingdom of god is is the message jesus came to preach he says you know, tell people to repent i want to mm-hmm. be t- i want people to repent from your sin and be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his dear son. And uh, if, if there's a message I want to be known for, it's the fact that I called people out of darkness into light, out of the kingdom of, of, of this world, this world system, mm-hmm. into a kingdom that's for eternity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the message. That that, is, that's the only yeah. message. Yeah. That, that is awesome, Pastor Tom. It's like, whoa, you know, just after listening to your journey, I'm thinking, you know, Wow. This yeah, it's is like when very... Jesus said to the disciples, greater things shall you do. And I'm sure they're looking at him like, greater than what you've been doing? I don't think that's what... Here's the funny thing. Yeah. I don't see anything that I've done as being great. Mm. You know, this building has been here more than 20 years. I look at the building, I said, oh, that was, that's old. That's old. <laughs> I don't even look at this as anything. It's just, uh, it was a step on the way. Mm. What I'm working on now is so much bigger, such more impact. Mm for the continent of Africa. I'm working on things that are on a much different level. But I don't look at the I don't look back at the past and say, "Ooh, look what we did." I I'm, I'm saying, "No, no, no. That that's a faded glory. That's something that, you know, uh is long gone." Yeah. That, that was 20 years ago. I mean, yeah. I don't even think about it to be honest with you. Uh, I'm looking at something so much bigger, so much brighter. And I have a I I think that there's a place for another generation. God, God isn't limited to stop looking at what others have done. Yeah. What can God do through you? I, I know this. If you'll just obey him and take the next step, life is lived on levels, but it's arrived at in stages. Mm-hmm. You will not get to another level unless you go through the stages of the level you're at now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want to go through those stages. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's fine. Then stay at that level, but then don't complain. Yeah. But there are levels, but they're painful. Every step you take will stretch you. Mm. If you think you have the answer, then you don't. <laughs> because God doesn't that's not how God doesn't work with what you know. He he teaches you. He leads you into truth. He yeah. leads you into your future. Mm. And if you knew the way, you wouldn't need God. If you knew yeah. what you if you knew what you if you know what you know, well then you don't need God. Right. Every day I have to say, Oh, okay, lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, acknowledge him, and I believe he'll direct my steps. I find myself doing things. I'm saying, oh, my gosh, this doesn't make sense in the natural, and it ends up being something supernatural. Mm. Uh, That is what it means to be led of the Spirit of God. That's what it means to be obedient. Mm. Can you do that? Yes, sir. No. Will you do that? (laughs) Yes. That's the question. That is the question. If not, you're destined to stay on the same level you're at. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I think and I think that, that that is the question. And I think a very a very important question. Uh Pastor Tom, you've kind of preempted what was gonna be my well my my, my last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure T Mac may have something else. My my last question was gonna be um about this generation, the, the next the next generation. You know, it's, it's amazing to see what, what you've done and, um, some of, some, some of the people in your generation and the things that, that, that you've achieved and, um, the impact that's been made. 
both at a national scale and just all the people who've been touched and impacted by by your ministry and the things that you've done with just speak, speaking of this of this generation you, you you've already alluded to some of the stuff but I, what would be your parting shots for us and by parting i just mean <laughs> on, on on this conversation right now that what what would you say to somebody who's in this generation somebody who's um wanting to follow god wanting to pursue god um but they just need to hear something from somebody who's actually walking the walk well i i don't you know i don't think it's complicated to be honest with you i think that uh I think sometimes we try to make this very, very, like it's hard. Uh, the, the Bible is so simple. The, the walk with our Lord is so, so simple. Uh, and don't complicate it. Look, when I was uh, first starting the church, I had a, a little rule. Uh, I called it the three-legged principle. The, the, I called it the three-legged stool. And you build everything on the three-legged stool. Mm -hmm. And I know this sounds crazy, but read your Bible, pray, and have fellowship with other Christians. Okay. If you do that on a consistent <laughs> basis, you can't help but grow. How much time do you spend in the Word of God? People say, oh, I want to be close to Jesus. Well, Jesus and His Word are one. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me how you, much close you want to be with Jesus. Tell me how much time you spend in the Bible. As much time as you spend in the Word... As much time as you study the Bible, as much time as you read the Bible itself, mm -hmm. is how much you love Jesus. Whoa! So don't 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 come to me and say I love Jesus and you never read your Bible. Yeah. So don't come yeah. and tell me I want to be close to Jesus and you yeah. never read the Bible. He and His Word are one. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. That shouldn't be so shocking to hear, but it's yeah. But, I think I've just never heard it put that way. Yeah. And then how about prayer? Yeah. What is prayer? You know, Africans, uh, our culture in, in Africa is we love these all-night prayer meetings. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not so sure that that's uh, – maybe. I, I'm not saying – I don't see – you know, if, 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 if by the amount of prayer we had in all-night prayer meetings, we were supposed to change our nation, it would have been changed by now. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying maybe we're doing something wrong there. But for me, prayer is more listening than it is talking. Mm -hmm. It's more hearing the voice of God than it is – telling God what I'm going to do, what I want him to do for me. Mm -hmm. It's more about aligning my heart with his to where I can say, okay, I heard your voice. Now give me the strength to do what you told me to do. Uh, so through the word and then through prayer, in prayer I find the comfort, the solace, and then the strength to say, okay, I only do what I hear my father say, Jesus said, and I, I only do what I see my father doing, and mm -hmm. I only say what I hear my father saying. So it's it's in it's in reading the Bible and it's in prayer that you see and hear what you're supposed to do, and then where is that lived out? Well, it's lived out in this terrible thing called the church. Mm. <laughs> you know, the church is the hardest place to live because guess what? Now I have to put up with you. The church would be a wonderful place if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> but I have to put up with somebody else's personality. I have to put up with somebody else that's working through. Their flesh, their yeah. their, their, yeah. their appetites, their sins, and 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 so I I have to get involved. It gets messy. I have to put up with other people that are, and and and, and we have to work this out together. It's yeah. it's like a family, and it's mm -hmm. it's very. But I can't I can't just disband and and I I can't get uh, I can't just get away from you. I have to say okay, these are the people God's put me with. Now help me to learn mm -hmm. how to communicate, how yeah. to work through our issues. And if you do those three things consistently, you can't help but grow. Mm. You can't help but follow God. And then out of that, he, he births everything else. Mm. Pastor Tom, I have one final question. This is really my, my final question, right? If, if you could do everything differently, if, if you could do it, or rather, if you could do it all over again, is there anything that you would change? Well, I mean, that's, that's a dishonest question. Okay. In the sense that you, you you don't know what you don't know when you're doing it. Yeah. You know, here's what I would rather answer. I would say, I've never done anything in my entire life to hurt somebody else. Mm. Have I made decisions that did? 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Did I have limited understanding? Yes. Uh, would I, if I could do it differently, would I do it differently? Yeah. But I can't because I, I, I did it. We did to the best of our ability what <laughs> we could what do with what we had. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you, uh, I think that's part of learning. You, you, you learn, you know. Uh, I got trapped in some things. I got deceived in other things. Uh, you made the decision not knowing you were being deceived. Mm -hmm. uh, you didn't know that somebody was lying to you. You didn't know that uh, there was uh, something going on behind the scenes. You thought that you were dealing with honest people or face value. And so you sometimes take the blame for other people's things. You know, the church sometimes gets blamed for things that, you know, let, let, me, let me explain. There's lots of things that happen that I can't tell you about. It had nothing to do with us, but we get blamed for it. Mm -hmm. But because of confidentiality, because of the way and the very nature of the way uh, the church is constructed, in the way we have to remain quiet, even though we're being accused falsely. You know, I've been accused in the newspapers with all kinds of things that never really happened. Mm -hmm. But guess what? The narrative was used against you. Yeah. Now, most people aren't smart enough to be able to read between the lines. Most people can't really figure stuff out. So they have a belief that's wrong. Would I have liked to see those things change? You betcha. But in the meantime, you know, you get hardened. You get hardened through difficulty. You, yeah. you know, and you, you begin, and you get smarter. You begin to cover your butt. You begin to cover yourself and say, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. You know, and, and so you become a, I think you become a better leader. I think mm -hmm. you become a better person. Uh, as long as you don't get bitter. Yeah. As long as you don't get uh, too cynical. You know, and I think I have to avoid that. I can get cynical sometimes. I get mm -hmm. to a point where I say, mm -hmm. you know, been there, done that, have a closet full of those t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Tom. This has been a a great, a great honor, a great privilege, uh, and a great pleasure having you having you on the show. Um, and lots of fun too. Um, and to our listeners, I, I really hope that you, you listen to this. I think this is the kind of episode that you want to listen to over and over again yeah. because there's so much to to absorb, so much time. to glean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you, Pastor Tom. I think I think we should do this again <laughs> sometime. Um, well, I don't know. I, get, I told you everything I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got we, we've got a whole lot more to ask, T Mike. Um, no, that's all for me. Thank you so much for giving us your time today, Pastor Tom. Great, T Mike. And everyone who's listening, thank you as well for giving us your ears, lending us your ears. I hope you got something good out of today. And yeah, please rate us on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast, and we will see you next week. Yeah. Peace, Peace out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.